Yes, we are live once again from High G's, 8 o'clock Thursday night. Welcome to another JFDI podcast. I'm going to need to get this jingle sorted because you hear me saying the same thing every week, don't you? Well, okay, this is different because tonight's guest is somebody who has lost more weight than I weigh now. In fact, I think he's lost he's lost more weight than I, than I think I've ever weighed. This gentleman, this evening's guest, has lost over a hundred kilos in weight, whilst battling an eating disorder, and then getting to the point where he has lost all of this weight, and with the lessons that he's learned, he then decided to leave a corporate job that was providing a very healthy lifestyle, well, perhaps more than healthy, um, as he as he'll perhaps tell us, or not so healthy, um, but left a corporate lifestyle behind to help others on the on, that may have been suffering from the same afflictions that he has been. He's developed a program that helps transform lives of others in that same position, which he will talk about tonight. And I met this gentleman uh, through a mutual, a couple of mutual uh, coaches. Um, and I'm delighted to welcome on to the JFDI podcast, Mr. Chris Tibbetts. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you very much. Wow. What, a, what an introduction, mate. And by the way, we'll sort out your, your um, opening section. I've got some ideas for you, so I'll share with you afterwards. But yeah, we'll sort that for the next podcast for the next guest anyway. Oh, so. mint. <laughs> You see, I do my research, and I think that that, uh, that um, having asked people to come on, my wife asked me again tonight. She said, "Who is it that you've got on again tonight?" And I told her, and she was like, "Oh," she said, "Are you looking forward to it?" And I went, "Yeah." I said, "That's the thing about this being the JFDI podcast. About it being, you know, I I, I get to invite on the people that I'm really interested in. I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not going to invite people on that I'm not going to know what to say." I've got yeah. loads of questions for him. Um, I said, the guy has inspired me since the day I met him. I went and he's he's bound to go have some stories. I know he does because I've heard some already, but I'm sure I can get some more from him as well. So I'm really excited. So yeah, yeah mate, I'm really, really happy for you to come on. Um, a bit yeah. different though with the old songs, right? Yes, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as I said to you, mate, there's an interesting story behind every single one. So... <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Right, listen, so shall we kick off with song number one? Because on I said, yeah, I, I said to you just before we came came live, I'm really glad that this song's come up. I, and I, and I, But what I didn't tell you is why, and I don't really know why, but I just am. I'm just glad it came up. So your first choice is Video Kill the Radio Star by Buggles. Yes. Please tell. <laughs> What's so the deal with that? So obviously I'm a, I'm a, a bit bit long in the tooth now. I am 49, um, and any youngsters listening to this won't understand this concept. But um, when I was a kid, you used to go into Woolworths and buy singles to play on your record player. Now shock yes. horror, youngsters! We used to actually have to buy them. We used to go into a physical shop and hand over money to buy a record, and it was the first record that I bought with my own money. So it really means a lot to me. 
Um, and when, I remember buying it in Woolworths. Yeah. Oh, good question. It was probably, in, oh, was it 1980? 1981, yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah, about nine years old, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we're yeah. the same age. I'm 49 as well. When did you turn yeah. 50? Uh, February next year. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, I'll pick you to it. In Antarctica, all being well. Yeah. So oh. when you were nine-ish yeah. in 1980 ish. and bought uh, ish and, and bought yeah. uh, a deal called the Radio Star. Yeah. Um, where were you? What were you doing? Tell us a little bit about uh, what so was... that. Yeah, that was probably the start of a really difficult time in my life because my brother would have just had his road accident then. Um, and he was in a school minibus accident and he was paralyzed from the sort of neck down. So it's quite a poignant time in my life because I was very sort of much. Um, um, my parents are dead, so I, 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 I'm not saying anything about it. Um, I was sort of quite abandoned at the time because obviously my mum and dad's focus was looking after my brother, which is understandable, and he's in hospital for an awful long time. And yeah. I remember buying this song, and this is how the point is, I remember buying it in Woolworths in Heswell on the Wirral because I was actually staying with my sister and brother-in-law at the time. And my brother-in-law says, oh, you have some money, go and buy it. And I remember buying it and... It just reached out to me. I loved the, the tune. Um, and it's probably one of those, it's probably one of the first videos. It's probably one of the first pop music videos as well, which is why the song Video Killed Ray Star was quite poignant. And it's quite future looking, because if you think about it, um, this was the start of MTV. This was the start of music TV. This was the start of of this change in the, in, in the whole way we listened to music, we bought music, how it was promoted. And yeah, so it was um, quite a, for me, it was a, it was a massive time in my life where I was on my own a lot. Um, and to be honest, it was a starting point for my emotional eating, um, which I can trace back to that time. Because again, nine, 10 years old, I was very much you know, left to my own devices. Um, yeah. And um, obviously you'll hear in my book that will be out in, a, in in August time about the wonderful woman, Barbara, who looked after me for a period of time and she was wonderful and she was great with food and was very generous and very loving, but food was her way to comfort. And that was probably the starting point for my, my challenges. But the song in itself is just brings back some, so many good memories of a really difficult time in my life. Uh, and mm. I really anchored myself to that song because it was like upbeat and it was just like, yeah, it was the first song I ever bought and it was a really important time in my life. Right. At a very, very difficult time. It kind of all changed at that point as well when like videos with music yeah. and, and mtv came along it was yeah. i've watched a load of documentaries lately about about that sort of era and um it was yeah it kind of did it really changed everything yeah yeah, yeah. and it just just a whole person that whole process you know you got to remember just buying you know um up to that point in the 70s i have all the other sort of um singles we had um and it, you know some really silly ones um but again that was the first one i thought yeah that was mine uh wasn't my sister's it wasn't my brother's I hadn't borrowed it from anybody else it's a one and anything owned. and i think to be honest probably still got it somewhere if i look hard <laughs> enough i probably well, still I got do. it somewhere you know i do i've got uh i've got my first single up here in high g's um yeah probably in a singles box just on the other side of uh 
where we're recording just now. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. So, so two quick, two quick questions. Go on in. Right, unrelated, because I like to do this as well. Yeah. Um. Uh. Related to the song. So, favorite. Who's your favorite DJ? Dead or alive. Either. Uh, John Peel. John Peel, top answer. Yeah. And yeah. what's your favourite music video? Aha, take on me. Oh, <laughs> yo, that's your hit with my good lady wife. Yeah. <laughs> that is an outstanding video as well, uh, is it not? When you when you think about the time it was made, yeah, and the amount of effort that went into that video, that yeah. if it was made today, we'd probably made on a computer in about a day. <laughs> it took them weeks to do all those drawings by hand. Yeah. And, and Absolutely. It stood, and it stood the test of time. Yeah. Yeah, even now. I still I watch it now yeah. and I think, that's, yeah. like, that's still a good video. Yeah. And so, yeah. Because, because of how it's done as well, and the, the, the digital remastering it can have as well. It's, yeah. it's a gorgeous looking video. It yeah. is. It is indeed. Yeah. yeah. So, shall we, shall we, let me think. Oh, should we move on to the next song already? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think we will. I think we will because I, I, I I'm luring you. Have you got your lawyers ready for this one? <laughs> <laughs> this is a brilliant song. This one. I know. I, I, and do you know what? I, I always do the same. I always play my guest songs as I'm getting dressed, getting ready, and when it came on, I was just. I was actually. I, I can remember two or three different nightclubs back yeah. and I was there and I was like that getting my strut on I was like yes so tell me the story behind Catatonia and the lovely lovely Keras is Road Rage oh Road Rage Road, Road Rage, Rage. Um, well as you talk about nightclubs so before they became a massive hit obviously I'm Welsh um and there's a nightclub in a place called Buckley near Mold called the Tivoli, or it might still be called the Tivoli. Um, and they were playing there one night. And obviously I was quite, you know, big fellow as I was. Um, and um, we started chatting and we had this fantastic conversation. And I ended up having them um, far too many beers with Keris and the Catatonia guys because they, were, they weren't a big hit then. They literally were there and then almost their, their next single hit and it was big. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, so we're getting a bit plastered. And then we was down in Cardiff for the rugby, um, probably, I don't know, 18 months later. Now, I must be one of those people who never gets forgotten. Um, and we're in this bar in Cardiff. And we're there, and it's like, um, couldn't get in. And there's a big queue. And um, then, obviously, Keris will fly through and she's going, Karis, how are you doing? She's going, who are you, bud? I'm like, remember, Tibsy. Who? <laughs> Tivoli. Oh, yeah, you. Oh, let him in. And so we ended up getting pissed in, uh, in, in Cardiff. <laughs> I haven't got a clue where I woke up afterwards, but it was a bloody good night. And uh, <laughs> courtesy of Keris Matthews. Well, yeah, because obviously we were here. It was like, yeah, we're just in the, the, the VIP section. It's it awesome. <laughs> then, a, then, a load, then a load of Welsh rugby players turned up as well. It was just one big, uh, I can't remember what it's called now. It was, 
it's probably walkabout now, but it's before walkabout opened. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it was yeah, it's awesome. It was a great, great, great night. So yeah, and that's that's the well, condensed version. It won't get us both sued. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So I'm gonna I'll ask a couple of other questions related to that because yeah. well, I kind of have to, right? I know I know a lot of the pe a lot of people um, from my uh, past uh, X Forces dudes watching will be bursting to ask and let, uh, uh, they may well have already asked so on a night out like that for you back then yeah um what uh what did that consist of for you so like a night out on it back then yeah right yeah. so what what how how if you don't mind me saying how big were you at the time uh, what? at that time oh i would have been yeah i don't i was in my fat stage so i would have been well, I wouldn't be that big. I was probably about twenty-six stone, so I was a bit of a bit of a bit of a, bit of a lump, but you know, I carried it off quite well. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, what yeah, did yeah. what did an evening of bevying for twenty-six stone tibsy look like? Well, it depends if we're now if we're talking in a rugby international, right? We'd get the train down, so obviously you've got your um, eight pack of beer on the way down on the train to get yourself from North Wales to South Wales. Uh, get into Cardiff then about ooh, ten o'clock. A quick um, McDonald's or Burger King. Then be in the bar for about eleven. Kickoff's probably about three, so you probably have another ooh, six pints then. Yeah. Uh, then you got the game itself, so there's probably four pints at the game. Then you got to get the train back at ooh, eight o'clock for the last train. So by the time the game's finished. You've got to go, obviously, you've got to go to Chippy Alley in Cardiff. Um, anybody who's been to Cardiff will know where Chippy, you know, all about Chippy Alley. So you've then got another six pints after the game. Uh, <laughs> then then you've got some spirits to take on the train home because you've had too much beer by then. Um, so you then do shots on the train home. So, yeah, it's uh, a full on day of drinking. Um, so you were in excess of 20 pints. Oh, yeah, yeah. Easy. Yeah, easy, yeah. Yeah, could do it now, but yeah, that was that would that would be a good day. That would be a good day. Uh, that's a rugby day anyway, uh, an international day. Then you sort of standard night out. Well, what would we say? Probably, yeah, a sort of good night out would be probably about twelve pints. Uh, I get it. Massive, a massive good, massive kebab at the end of it. Chicken and doner kebab. Um, yeah. Maybe a few, maybe a few spirits if you're feeling a bit like a bit. bit Need to top it up a bit, but yeah, that would have been it. Good I know God. a bit of a lightweight to some of your forces, guys. You know, twelve pints is a bit of afternoon drinking session, so I don't know. But <laughs> well, there's some of the watching. Yeah, well, so so what were so you? So to in be there, honest, were you, like, were, 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 were you in the RAF? Were you in the RAF? Yeah. yeah. So my brother, my brother was in the RAF, um, and he was posted to Hong Kong. Uh, so okay. I went out to spend some time with him in the RF Sekong. Um, yeah, he introduced me to uh, um, hashing, which was like the cross-country running, which you used to then do lots of drinking in. To what? Uh, hashing? Yeah, it's basically, it's, a, it's like a paper chase where you followed a trail in the, in the hillside and that, but you used to stop at bars drinking Carlsberg or San Miguel. Um, so yeah, there was that. Um, there's, there's, yeah. there's what one of there's what one of them thinks. Said you, you're an amateur. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I, I knew that'd be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Listen. There's, there's there's some there's some love coming in for the kebab though. 
from Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> the kebab will never die. No, it won't. I'm no, still won't. a sucker for a kebab as well. Yeah. Can you? It's can why you? I don't drink. So, right, let, 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 let's get into this now, then, shall we? Because there's questions that I want to ask that yeah. I need to ask this question first, right? So we talked about you being big and talked yeah. about, you know, what, what would... So the, uh, you, you mentioned like when the first single was bought, that's kind of when the emotional eating started. Yeah. So what, what, what was the, the kind of the spiral, if you will, um, you know what? What does that that kind of story look like? You know, from where it started to where it got to um, at its at, at your worst. So to to carry it on. So obviously, um, once my brother came out of hospital, we moved into a new house, and that was great. Obviously, he needed twenty four hours. My mum and dad gave up their jobs and did, but um, we um, then moved to North Wales. Um, and bought somewhere, and I carried on eating, but I didn't think I had an eating problem because I was six foot odd throughout my teens. Uh, I think at 12, I was six foot. Um, so I was always active and busy. So, to be honest, when, you, when you're playing sport like I was, I would have been uh, so at school, I would have been playing sport every day. I was then playing rugby, so I had club training on a Tuesday, I had county training on a Wednesday, regional training on a Thursday and Friday, and I would have played Sunday, Monday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, two games on a Saturday, a game on a Sunday, and a game on a Monday. Um, so I wouldn't have, I didn't, didn't matter why yet when I was growing up. Um, then at about 17, I tore my ACL in my knee um oh, basically knackered me yeah knackered yeah. me ruined my career i was i was destined for a uh potential international career and everything else at that point um but ruined it in a in a possible as good as his probable trial match and so that was it i was done and of course at 17 you start finding drinking as well so i was not playing rugby i was still consuming food and i found drink so all of a sudden, you know, it's all like boom, a, a boom, holy boom. trinity have happened. Compound. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and then at the point, then I also realized that I got quite rebellious. So um, I then rebelled, uh, left school, went to catering college, left that, went to go and work in a hotel for a Christmas job, met my first wife. Um, disaster. We'll come to that. Um, and then... <laughs> Um, and then basically throughout that, um, I then moved to Harrogate and I just started putting on weight and that was it. You know, that was the first sort of spiral. And then we moved back to Wales. We got married. I was bigger when I got married. Then when my first child, Jack came along, I thought, right, I need to lose some weight. So I lost weight. I had a surefire way of losing weight. Right. Um, I don't recommend this to anybody, but it worked for me at the time. So I had a diet that consisted of cornflakes <laughs> and tuna fish and mashed potato. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> no, no. Cornflakes for breakfast, then tuna fish and mashed potato, and then cornflakes in the evening. So that was it. I had three meals a day, but it was a bottle of cornflakes, then tuna fish and mashed potato, and then cornflakes at night. And that was my diet. And it was brilliant for losing weight. Completely impractical for the lifestyle, but 
Um, so I had to work out, I lose weight, but then obviously it wasn't sustainable. And I was living with my, my first wife as a feeder. She used food for everything as a weapon, as a sign of love. Just basically it was, yeah, that's all she ever did, you know? Um, and it was horrific. Um, so that would be, I just yo-yo. I just keep yo-yoing. Um, and then I think oh, I need to lose some weight. So I'd lose weight, but I'd always end up putting it back on. Um, and that was probably the, 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 the crux of it. And then as my children got older, um, I then um, got an opportunity. You know, I set up my own business and then I started to travel a lot. But because my relationship was, was deteriorating badly, um, it's that's where I used food as my comfort. Food was my yeah. protection. And my size was my protection. So it's like, yeah, the big lads, you know, my, my wife, first wife, ex-wife, thank God, uh, used to introduce me to her friends as her useless fat C-U-N-T of a husband. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lovely woman. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's horrific. Um, and again, we talk about things about, you know, um, I was blackmailed into um, staying because I wouldn't have seen the kids and, all that. But then I just used food as my comfort. So food was my protection. Food was what made me, you know, um, just make me the size I was. It didn't care. It was my comfort. It was my my suit of armor. So being fat, being the size I was, yeah, was my protection. Because when I got big, I thought nothing can hurt me. Yeah. So so you yo-yoed. Yeah. Lost weight. Had this crazy diet. Yeah. Put the weight back on. Yeah. Um, but the the reality was that it was it it was like I, what what I'm hearing is that actually you began to know um, or realise that actually there was there was more of it, you know, as to like why you were doing what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with all that yo-yoing going on, what was the um, what was the moment that you kind of said enough is enough? But when what weight did you get to? What happened um, to make you go fuck? <laughs> I'm gonna. So, I need. So I need yeah. to sort it. So this is this is the interesting, and it's not the point where my recovery started, but it was the point where I realised I was potentially going to die. So in 2011, I was out in Dubai with uh, my business partner and good friends at the time, and because of the something that happened, travel agent messed up, and we only had, we had to share one room. Which wasn't a big problem because the hotel was massive. The room was massive. It was almost like a suite. There was two beds. It was it was fine. But then when I woke up in the morning, I looked across my mate. He looked at me and went, Tibsy, I'm never going to fucking share a room with you again. I was like, what? I said, was I snoring? He went, no, mate, you weren't snoring. It was like being in a room with a fucking zombie. What the, <laughs> is the noise you're making. He's like, Ugh. I thought bloody hell, I thought buddy, we've been invaded. He says, and if that wasn't bad enough, if you weren't making that noise, he says, I thought you'd died three times because you weren't bloody breathing. <laughs> so I'm like going, right, all right, mate. He says, anyway, <laughs> you can fuck off. I'm sleeping in the lobby tonight. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I went, listen, mate, we'll get it sorted. He says, you don't need to sleep on the lobby. There's a balcony outside. It's probably warmer out there, mate. <laughs> well, we got, luckily they sort his room map but I was like it's just so funny um and Crazy. we're out there and obviously 
you know, we were playing golf and that. And, it's, and I just thought it's, it's, it's 40 degrees and we're mad English guys playing bloody golf in 40 degrees. But I started to feel quite a well. I thought, oh, God. I thought it was the weather. But then I got home and I was thinking, right, I was 39 at the time. I'm coming up to 40. Perhaps I, you know, I, did, I was starting to feel a bit poorly, but not myself. So I thought I'd go to doctors. Went and see the, the GP and he's a good friend of mine. And they walked in and he went, Good old tips. You're looking well. And I went, is that a euphemism? He went, put a bit of weight on there, lad. Like, he says, uh, anyway, what can I do for you? I says, well, he says, I'm, I've come up to Dubai. I feel a bit ill. Yeah, I feel a bit underweather. He says, well, let's start at the beginning, shall we? Let's see how heavy you really are. I says, okay, then no problem. He says, uh, he says um, just jump on them scales. So I basically stood on the salter scales. It went up like 26 stone. And I stood on them. Thing went round, bust, and then just went... And he looked at me and went, they're brand new. Did you know how much they cost? <laughs> I'm like, fucking hell. He says, um, I'm sorry. Right, he says, I, um, should, I really, really shouldn't no, be no, laughing. No, you should be laughing. You should, no, 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 you should be laughing. Right? Did, like, okay, did the so, string like? <laughs> no, they're just fucked. Honestly, they're fucked. You know, it's, it's past watershed now, so we're okay. So, and I'm sure all of your all of your forces guys won't mind your death. Think right? cool. So basically, they're fucked. Right? <laughs> they're cool that, yeah. <laughs> so, so this was the funny bit, and I normally miss this bit out because it, it gets lost on most people. So, Doctor Bob goes, he goes, um, right. He says, there's two options for you. He says, um, you can either pop to the the the, the hospital, um, the local. Um, cottage hospital, what it's called, I can't remember. Um, infirmary, um, he says, um, and they've got to sit on scale there, or you could pop to the weight bridge at the really wool market and get yourself weighed there because that's probably just about coke for you as well. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, that's not, I went, that's not very professional, is it, doc? <laughs> and he goes, You've just broke my scales, what's he says anyway, all you know how much those medical scales cost as well because we need them for um the uh, the the boxing. Um yeah. and the, I yeah. know they're not they're not cheap like <laughs> so, uh, so he says anyway, he says um he says uh, he says um take a seat and I'm like looking at him and he goes So I managed to squeeze in his seat. Uh he says, Right, I'll organise these tests, he says, right, go to the hospital. He said um while you're there, we'll get all the tests done, save my time. I've got a new set of scales to order. Um, um, so um, he says, uh, go and go and get weighed. Go and do the go and do this test. He says, come back in a week. And I went, okay, then, doc, no worries. So um, I go back a week later, and um, I walk into his, go upstairs, go into his room. First thing I notice is he's got one of those big chairs, like from Jeremy Kyle show. I thought, ah, he's prepared this time. <laughs> and he says to me, he says, uh, he says, take a seat. He says, you're fitting it this time. Um, obviously, obviously, I knew him quite well, so we were all right. But, um, you know, I'm not saying all doctors are like this, by the way. Um, and um, so I said, sat down. He's like, okay. He says, right. He says, um, he says basically, he says, I'm, I'm going to cut to the chase on this now. He says, okay. He says, if you don't make some changes, he says, you're not going to see your 50th birthday. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck me, that's 10 years away. That's all right. Um, he says, look, you're borderline diabetic. You've got high cholesterol. You've got high blood pressure. He says, you've got probably the pain in your joints is early onset arthritis from all the bloody weight you're carrying. He says, you know, you've got all these other issues. He says, but we've got some more tests coming in. 
He says, because I'd like to send off some more detailed um, auction level tests now and agreeing with that. So, okay, no problem. He says, but come back in two days. He says, and um, and we'll we'll put a plan in place. He says, but really, you need to be thinking about your options now because, you know, if you don't make some changes in 10 years, you'll be dead. Now I'm thinking, fucking you know, bloody drama queen. Fucking hell. He's trying to make his money out of me again. Um, so uh, I went away. And then um, two days later, I walked into surgery. All right. We all know. Doctors, surgery receptionists have the hardest job going, right? And they train them in a certain way, right? And I and I respect them and I know they've got a tough job. I walked in and she says, Hi, Mr. Tibbetts, yes. If you go straight through. I said, oh. okay. Oh, there we are. You're back. I'm back. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, go straight. That's right. She says, go straight through. Um, you're, you're in consultation room one, which is on the ground floor, and the doctor's waiting for you. I'm going, one, she was nice. Two, the doctor's never waiting for you. And three, they're never waiting for you downstairs. I'm thinking, fucking hell. All right, something must be up. So walk in, um, sits down, and I could tell he was different, right? And he says, take a seat. Went, okay. He says, uh, right, you know, I said that you'd be likely to see you see 50th birthday. He says, if you don't make any changes, you'll be lucky to see your 40th birthday. He says, I'm surprised you're not dead already. He says, you could die in your sleep at any point because of what's going on. The matter weight on your chest and that is basically, you know, you've got, we, we really need to get things sorted for you. You really need to do some, you know, we need to get things in place. I'm like, okay. Fuck it. Right. Okay. But you think something like that would crush you and we go, but. You're 39. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like thinking, fuck. Okay. Well, what about my brother, my mum? My business partner, my best friend, my kids, my wife. At no point I didn't think of this, I think about myself. And then I'm thinking, do you know what? I fucking hate my life. Actually, do I really want to make any changes? Actually, this could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, but, and then I was just numb. Um, and he says, look, we need to get you sorted out. There's some things we need to do. I said, listen, Doc, thank you very much. I need to take it all on board. I said, but, what can I do now to stop you having to put me through? I'm not going to be your lab test. I'm not going to be your lab. lab. I'm not going to sleep clinic. You're not attaching something to me to help me prove. I'm not doing any of that. I'll sort this out. He says, okay. Um, he says, well, basically you need to start losing weight and losing it fast, losing it quickly, you know, and making changes to your life. You need to change your lifestyle, change your stress, change everything, because if you don't, you will die. I was like, okay, fine. Um, so, again, Tibsy goes back. Doesn't I don't bother telling anybody. I've got all this stress and all this worry, but I thought, you know what, no point in telling my wife because she'll just be thinking about the money she's going to make off me if I die. Um, couldn't tell my family, couldn't tell anybody because they'll be like worrying. So I was like, I took it all on myself. So what does Tibsy do when something like this happens? He goes to his tried and tested method of losing weight, doesn't he? Cornflakes. So, um, Cornflakes, Julia is your mash. I did that for a couple of weeks thinking, yeah, this is but now I'm thinking, no, this isn't going to work. Something really what? has to change. Crikey. So I thought, I thought, right, okay, something's got to change. I need a sustainable plan. But I also realised that none of this was going to serve me. And at this point, I was thinking, I need to get out of my life. So I can either do one of two things. I can either... Um, die or i can get out of the environment and at this point 
I'd been offered some work um, out in Kazakhstan. I thought, yeah, that could be perfect for me. But then actually, I thought it isn't going to work for me because I would basically end up drinking myself to death on vodka and eating really bad food and it wouldn't serve me. So I thought, okay, another option was I'd go and work in London. So I started eating really healthy. I started taking care of myself and I thought, right, I need to do something more different than just tuna fish and mashing cornflakes. So I thought, right, let's do a proper diet plan. And to be honest, when, you, when you're 34 stone, right, just moving. Was that your heaviest? Yeah, we missed that bit, didn't we? Yeah, 34 stone was my heaviest. Possibly. Yeah. I didn't actually get the scales because I was too scared. But he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he went, it was over 34 stone. I went, okay. Um, yeah. So, okay, that's fine. I thought, okay, I need to make some changes. So I did. So I did all this and basically uh, moved to London. And by getting away from my environment I was in, I could start to make changes that I was in control of. But then the challenge from that point was the um, every time I went home, I was getting sabotaged by my wife because I was starting to lose weight, start to feel confident. People started to notice it. You know, and, uh, I mean, when you think about it, when, you, when you're the size I was, I probably burnt 4,000 calories a day just being alive. I have carried... There's a video of me doing a doing a farmer's walk of 100 kilos. I've seen it. And it's, yeah. And it's hard, right? I was yeah. carrying that around all day long. So you imagine my body was getting a workout, just being alive. Mm. Right? So so I probably, my my BMR was probably about 4,000 4, calories a day. And I dropped it down to 2,000. Yeah. Um. And wow. so obviously weight was dropping weight was dropping off me, you know, fourteen was it fourteen thousand calories a week deficit. No wonder I was dropping four pounds. Yeah, I was literally losing, you know, a stone a month. Wow. And how long did you keep that up for? Uh I kept that up for uh, probably yeah, I was doing that until the the big crux point came at Christmas when I realized that I was getting sabotaged and I realized that I need to make drastic changes and I couldn't stay where I was. So I then decided in January. How much had you lost by this point? Uh, I probably would lost about let's see, uh, August, September, October, November, December. Six stone. So you'd lost six stone. So you were yeah. down to like 28 ish. 28 ish stone. Yeah. You, you realized then that you were starting to what slip into like more like less healthy eating well you, no i i realized i realized that when i came home at the weekends my were you back were you like gorging yourself again or no no but i realized no. that when i came i was still on a good path then uh but what i realized is that the circus i did wasn't serving me going home wasn't serving me uh my relationship with my time would deteriorate to the fact that i would literally get home on a thursday night and she'd be off out on the piss for the entire weekend Ah, She'd come okay. in on a on a Friday, come in on a Saturday. I'd go in on Sunday, and I just realised that like, the relationship wasn't serving me. So basically, in the January, I decided I was going to move to London full time. Got you. Um, and then in February, I left my wife, I kids. Right. Okay. Crikey, difficult, but the right thing to do. Absolutely, I would. Be, I would be dead now if I hadn't. Right. I would be dead. Right. 
but that was just the starting point. So obviously I carried on losing weight. Um, I then met my wife now, Carmen, in March. Um, we had a, Carmen and I are childhood sweethearts. She broke my heart at 14. Um, uh, bitch. Um, she, <laughs> Who's now your wife. Now my wife. So at 50, for, for yeah. about a year, we chased each other. Eventually we went, yeah. went out for a date, went skiing, or went ice skating. Wonderful time. So romantic, held hand, and then basically she dumped because I was too nice. Yeah. Um, but she's my first love. Right? And she, but she dumped me and she broke my heart. I keep reminding you that on a daily basis. <laughs> hence, hence why, uh, hence why our wedding song didn't make it into my top four list. By the way. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, is as uh, is the is the JLS song anything to do with Carmen? Uh, it's got a little bit to do with you. There's a very funny story related to that song. Um, All right, so tell, so tell tell us then. Well, that, that's the third song. So it's JLS is everybody in love. Yeah. So when I was doing a lot of travelling, um, and you know what I did on the post yesterday on Instagram, I said that my daughters will know my daughters will know to make the top four. Um, yeah. So when I was going to Dubai, I used to fly back and forth to China a lot. I was a big fella at the time on a plane, right? And um, they were on the flight with me. And uh, basically, uh, there's a oh, dance oh, move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's a dance move where they go, everybody, they put your hands up. Right. So basically, we're on this plane <laughs> doing the dance moves. Right. So then afterwards, you, right. You, you and your mates. No, no. JLS. Yeah. On the plane with them doing the moves. They're teaching how to solve. My daughters would love it. They were teaching you how to do the moves yeah. Yeah. on the plane. Yeah. Oh my lord! I thought you meant like I thought you meant like you were on the plane and taking the mech out of them, but they were no, actually. No, teaching you the moves. no I said my daughter. I said my daughters love you. I says everybody in love. We love it, but I can't get the moves right. Just oh, it's not a problem. I was like, I was like, <laughs> my daughters loved it. Unfortunately, I haven't got the video because they uh, it got deleted. Um that's a ex-wife story um but yeah so then afterwards my daughters just loved it and i was like i was hero status yeah i'm not surprised so then, so then afterwards um obviously they announced they were, they were at their farewell tour um i went to see them three times on their farewell tour and then yeah um so we're at the stadium of light and they were there and basically um i'm obviously one of those people you never forget <laughs> So Aston Merigold goes, you're the guy off the plane, aren't you? I went, yeah. He went, boys, it's that guy off the plane. <laughs> and, and my daughters went, Dad, before yeah, you were joking? <laughs> no. Oh, dear. Friends and to then, the start. And then, yeah, and then basically um, we were at Hyde Park for British summertime. And with Carmen and Ebony, her daughter, uh, my daughter, and... Um, Basically, we're standing there, we're doing everybody. Like, I was right in the middle of it, you know, front of the stage, going, hey. So, yeah, that was basically, yeah. That's brilliant. That's why, I love that. That's why that song's important. Oh, dear. See, there's, it's, it's brilliant. I've, I've loved the, the very, very different uh, reasons that um, that people choose songs. Um, uh, and I, I, love, I love that. I think that's yeah. ace. <laughs> Being taught how to dance <laughs> by JLS. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. 
Fantastic. Um, Love yeah. it. So, so okay, yeah. let's let's jump back. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've got I've got a few other questions there. I'll, I'll leave them to leave. I've got a cracker for you now. All right. Go on in. It, it it comes back to your comes back to your your weight loss journey. Yes. And the, and the point that we'd kind of got to. So the the next the next question that I've got here, uh, and it's because I, I I don't really think I know the answer to this one. Right. You you'd obviously um, you'd moved uh, down to London full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you by this point? Uh, did you did you know um, uh, much about the whole concept of like emotional eating? Had you kind of got to that point of like getting into, you know, uh, a little bit more of sort of like what was actually happening, um, or uh, no. when did that? Right. No, okay. Basically, so when did um, ba- that? Yeah. Basically, for six years after being told that I was going to die, um, yeah. I just became a massive yo-yo dieter. So I diet. I then would lose weight really well, and then I put it back on. I never right. put it back on to the same level. Um, yeah, but I probably fluctuated between about seventeen and a half stone and twenty six stone. So I'd fluctuate between those two weights. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. But the problem is, and the, and this is what's really quite important is, um, I had like any addiction, right? I lied. I was a liar. I cheat. Um, and there's a story I've told quite a few times now. When we were on a holiday, so every time when I was working in London, Carmen moved to London, we were great. And she'd basically say, what are you eating today? I was like going, oh, nothing, darling. Uh, I had a sandwich at lunchtime in Tesco's. What I failed to mention was that I probably had a bacon roll on the way to work. Then I would have had a caramel macchiato at Starbucks, a full fat one with a cinnamon swirl at breakfast about 11 o'clock then we would have had the mega meal deal from tesco's with a crisps big sandwich and a chocolate bar (coughs) 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 then in the afternoon another caramel macchiato probably i think that that's your body like at the thought of all of these different things now (coughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's as your body's yeah. going. What are you doing, does? What are you doing? Uh, it is. You and need then, to talk about then, this. Then, then probably maybe a couple of pints on the way over from work, um, and then I'd be a bit peckish before I got home. So I'd probably grab a um, you know sausage roll or something um, to eat on the way home. Uh, <laughs> then get home and go. Oh, are you hungry? Oh, I'm eating all day. Now, of course. <laughs> When you're eating like that, it sort of catches up. And I had a terrible habit. I, I'd never actually cleaned my mouth properly. So I might have some crumbs somewhere. And obviously, I was putting weight on and kind of like going, you're not eating, but you're putting weight on. What's going on? Um, so I used to lie about that. And then there was a time when we were on holiday in um, Wiltshire. And we went to go feed some ducks, right? And I say this to people now, uh, so get some bread. You shouldn't feed ducks bread, by the way. It's not good for them. So that's my that's my uh, animal welfare message. Do not feed ducks bread. It's not good for them. <laughs> anyway, I went to go get some, but I walked into this Morrison's and there was like these cinnamon swirls. Now, if you've got a bit of a theme here, me, cinnamon swirls, a four-pack. Now, a normal person would think, oh, great, yeah, we're going to share them. But Tom and Abby would love them. That'd be great. No, my thought pattern was, how can I eat all four of those before I get back to Carmen and Ebony? <laughs> that was my thought pattern. <laughs> Not, oh, it'd be good to share them. No, how can I eat them before them? Anyway, so I bought them, 
then thought, shit, I need some bread. So I had to go back in the shop to buy some bread because I completely forgot about the bread and I saw the cinnamon swaddles. And I'm coming back out. And basically, the I'm coming down... don't get any cinnamon swaddles, were they? No. And they were, I can't I think I must have been in some time. So Carmen and Emily came looking for me. So they're walking up the hill. I'm literally coming around the corner, stuffing the last one in my mouth. I've got this cream cheese on my face. So Carmen's like going, what are you doing? I just had a cinnamon swaddle, babe. I was hungry. She said, what about us? I went, oh, there's only one, darling. Now, here's the thing, right? Lies will always catch up with you. I'd got away with this until December last year when I did my story video. And Carmen sat there and she went, what do you mean you had four? I thought you only had the one. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> she hadn't actually known. <laughs> no, no, she thought I'd only ever had the one. She went, you greedy bastard. Okay. So... But they created this sort of lying and cheating in me. And and like any yeah. addiction, you will lie and you'll cheat. And that's and that's a really bad thing. I know we're laughing and joking, but it was. And it was terrible. So, yeah. So, basically, I yo-yoed until 2017. And it was a difficult time in my life. Uh, I started working at Nash Express in the corporate job. Really high-powered. Great job, but really high-powered. And I was working for two guys who were complete fucking idiots, right? And... They were you know, very, very senior executives, but didn't have a fucking clue, right? And they just made my life a living hell. And basically drove me to do a breakdown. And I just got some help from work. And at that point, my emotional eating just kicked into a different drive. I was back in that zone. I was eating to protect myself. And then we yeah. won an award uh, at the UK Coach Awards um, for onboard entertainment that I pioneered. And this photograph was taken. And basically, when I saw the photograph, I saw that guy from 2011 looking back at me. And it freaked me out because I thought I'd lost him for good. I thought he was never coming back. But there was this guy staring back at me. And basically, just I just broke down. Um, and that was four years ago, um, 26th of April. Yeah, 2017. Right. Um, and that's when I entered recovery. Right. Okay. So what was and the, that's when I realised the... I had emotional eating. Right. Okay. So that's when you kind of started to, and um, you know, dig deeper that's when into. You had a right. Yeah. I had a problem. I, need... I knew I had a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was the what was the first thing that what was the first thing you did? Uh, well, I spoke to a good friend of mine, Ruth, who, who um, she says because she's seen me yo-yo and I've known her quite a while. She goes, "You really do have a problem." I think you've got a problem with food. She says, have you ever been, you know, have you heard of Overeaters Anonymous? I was like, going, nah, no, no. She says, uh, well, probably should consider them. And she says, oh, I have private healthcare for work. And um, I went to see a psychiarist and they went to put me in, I went to go into recovery. Um, and I went to a well-known clinic in the southeast of England. Um, and I survived four days before I escaped. Um, <laughs> because basically it was like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, and I was not going to be Jack Nicholson. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just yeah. didn't like it. Um, um, basically, I was in a group therapy session. Um, and the, the person leading the program was, um, obviously, he must have been fresh out of therapy school or buddy job release or YTS or something, or an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just looked at him and went, listen, love, I said, so have you ever had the urge to eat 12 donuts at 3 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Uh, no, it says, have you ever been searching through the bin looking for the pizza boxes you threw out the previous day because you wanted a pizza? I said, no. 
So, so how can you understand where I'm coming from? Just, I don't need to understand. You just need to, you, I'm just here to facilitate the conversation. I'm here to guide you. I was like, going, but you don't even understand what I'm talking about. So, so, and then basically she made a complaint to the chief psychiatrist. Um, and we had a chat and I basically pulled him out and said, you're full of shit. Um, you can't talk to me like that. Um, so basically we agreed to uh, disagree and I said that I'd leave. Um, and basically there's a few other things going on, which I can't talk about because of a non-disclosure agreement, uh, which is why I can't mention the police. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I basically escaped. <laughs> Lasted four days in therapy and went, fuck this for game of soldiers. Um, <laughs> um, so I then thought, okay, well, I need some help. Um, and I joined Overeaters Anonymous. Right. Um, and nobody knew, nobody knew I was in therapy. They thought I'd gone away for work trip. They literally thought okay. I'd gone on work trip. And I joined Overeaters Anonymous yeah. on Ruth's sort of suggestion, but nobody, Carmen didn't know, nobody knew. I went into sort of recovery with nobody helping me. Right. Because okay. I was ashamed, I was guilty. I felt so much guilt and shame because, to be honest, I'd let people down. I've been, I'd lost weight, put it on, but I then realised I had a problem. And I realised I need to get help. And I need to sort this out myself. So I'm, I'm guessing I've written down a perfect question for this point. For this, um, uh, I think, because th this point that we're at um, is about. Yeah, my charger. Oh, oh. Yeah. You're running out of just. I am, but I've got power. We have power. Can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, carry on. So, at, at, at this point, the question that I've got here is: So, how do we, how do we, how do we start recognizing the difference between a hunger that is for fuel and nourishment versus a hunger that's for for like emotional reasons, like stress? Anger, yeah. loneliness, whatever. How do we so, how do we start differentiating between the two? So, mate. So this is quite simple. So physical hunger, right, comes on um, gradually, whereas emotional hunger happens straight away. Physical hunger, anything will satisfy you, whereas emotional hunger, you want specific. You're wanting to crave. You're craving specific foods, whereas if you are physically hungry, anything will do. Right. Okay, so if you're emotionally hungry, you're normally craving a specific food. You're doing, and it comes on straight away. Whereas physical hunger can be gradual. Right. Well, so those, hunger, we can, yeah. And is that the ones? Uh, is that because I've heard you talk about like trigger foods, or is that something yes. different? Is that's that, sort of, sort of something. That's something slightly different. Trigger foods, yeah. So trigger foods are things that you'll go to. Um, so for me, for example, I've talked about for chocolate hobnobs. Chocolate hobnobs are a trigger food for me. Um, yeah. Problem, it's probably my own trigger food I've got left. You have one and you just can't stop. Yeah, I literally um, cannot uh, stop eating uh, chocolate hobnobs. You put them in front of me and that's it. And I will just keep eating them. You're away. Um, what about I'm digestive? Away. I've just one of them. No problem. I can, I can <laughs> take all of them, mate. <laughs> but uh, gluten-free gluten chocolate hobnobs ones are fine the rest of this minging that's why um <laughs> but, but yeah um but no um i can't uh, no i still got a packet of chocolate hobnobs uh yeah. and they're that old right that the design is about three designs previously yeah um and but again 
if you if I opened them, I would have to. Yeah. I would literally eat the whole packet. My record is six packets. One one sitting. Yeah. How many calories is that? I fucking hate to think. <laughs> you should work it out, think. man. I would love I to see to... how many calories that is. How much fat? How much no, no, carb? No. How many carbs? And how many I carbs? Hate, in, I hate to think. Hold on. Six packs of chocolate hobnobs. Uh, uh, My God, that's insane. That is that is crazy. Hey, mate, probably... I've, had so, I've, had, I've had so many foods, mate, that could frighten the living daylights out of you. So. Oh, dearie uh, me. Did I tell you, I got kicked out of McDonald's. You got what? Kicked out of McDonald's? Yeah. Oh, I, I think I did. I, I don't tell me the story. Tell me the story. So there's 90 calories in the biscuit. Yeah. 11 grams of carbohydrates. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, I don't even know how many in a pack. Um. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna we'll do this. It, so we have to work this out. We're gonna, we're gonna have to do this, right? So there's how many calories? 90 calories per biscuit. Right, 90 calories. There's got to be, what, 20 biscuits in a packet? Uh, yeah, how many chocolate hobnobs in the packet? Um, uh, 262 grams in the back. So, hold on, it's, uh, it's 14 in the pack. Right, so 90 times 14 times 6. Seven, seven and a half thousand calories. <laughs> Fuck's sake, <laughs> you beast. <laughs> I've got a picture oh, yes. of me at my biggest, and I used to call it the beast. <laughs> seven and a half thousand calories that's insane. That was a bad day, though. <laughs> I take it back. I take it that was just one sitting in the biscuits. You'd already eaten like meals that day oh, as well. Oh, fuck me, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was basically, I mean, that six packets of biscuits, that would have probably took me about a couple of hours. Though. It wasn't like one after another. Jeez, but yeah, it was a good oh. couple. That, that would have been just, just because they were there, I just grazed them for a couple of hours. It was ridiculous. Man. So. Sorry, so McDonald's, yeah. Yeah, McDonald's. So, I was with my friends, right? And, um, I used to get involved in stupid eating competitions. Um, and basically, we eat double cheeseburgers, and somebody goes, oh, I bet you can't eat 10. Oh, Tebsy so, versus. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, 10 was the easy bit. So we sat there again, we're in McDonald's, about four of us. So we got 10. Um, I get them. And then, oh, well, do you reckon you could do 15, Tibsy? Oh, okay. So, again, we, we, we're getting them a couple at a time. So, I got to 15. Went, yeah, that's great. Um, and then he says, well, what about 20? I went, oh, we could probably get to 20. But let's do them in, in increments of sort of like two so we don't look silly. So, basically, we got to um, 19. And then I said, oh, I reckon I could do another. What would you do to 20? Manager comes over and goes, excuse me, lads. He says, I said, what's matter, mate? He says, I want you to leave. I went, what do you mean you want me to leave? I went, I want you to leave. You're putting people off their food. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, he says, do you know how many burgers you want? He says, well, yeah, I'm on 19. I want my 20th. He says, I'm not having a 20th, mate. I'm like, oh, come on, buddy. I'm like, you know, 
I said, I've just spent bloody almost 30 quid on bloody burgers. You think you give it? No, sorry. You're going to have to leave. And, and you're barred. And you're not coming back. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck gets barred from McDonald's for buying food? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Jeez. Oh. That is a lot of burgers. That is a lot of burgers. It's not, mate. It's not. Honestly, right? you, you could just... Uh, yeah, it's not. 19. It is now. It is now, but it's not. I'm going to say, you wouldn't eat it now, would you? No, no. Crazy. No. Absolutely crazy. So, uh, so, right, yeah. so listen, let, let's do your last song. I've got some more yes. questions, but let's, let's do your last song because it's kind of probably sounds like a, a good point in the story as well. Um, you're getting yeah. help from... Uh, Overeaters Anonymous, yeah. um, uh, you've you've asked for help. So before actually before we go on to your last song, yeah. um, I've got a, there's another question in there mm-hmm. because you you'd got to this point where you'd asked for help. So there's the, the, look there's a lot of by people the way that there, don't by act. the way there is no help there is no help out in the in, out there for emotional eaters. The system is broken. Unless so you've got private healthcare, you're fucked. Yeah. Unless you're anorexic and you're going to die, you're fucked. Unless you've got private healthcare, you're fucked. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't exist. No. So what 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 um so well maybe maybe this answers the question I was going to ask. I was, I was what I was going to say was what do you think stops others that that suffer with this asking for help? Or is it is it that simple that actually most most people that are in that position either haven't identified it or acknowledged it or are resisting the fact that they're in denial or or just don't know that help for that exists? Um, I think it's a multi. It depends what you're eating. Oh, sorry. Let's let's be a bit nice here. It depends on what your disordered eating is because if you're, you know, some people may just. We see food, right, as something that oh, you should easily control. It should be easy, you know. Just don't eat it. Don't be greedy. Don't be a greedy bastard, right? But when you think about most eating and that, it's come from childhood. Because you think you've been trained since you were a baby. You cried. What happened? They shoved you on your teeth to, have, to get fed, right? So food has always been associated from the very first things in your brain as a child food has been associated with comfort food you know i'm upset i'll comfort now obviously as you grow up that's fine you move out of it but people have there has never been the emphasis on it and and yeah some people are greedy i was greedy right but i then realized i had a problem people binge eat but you know the person who decides that i'm going to get pissed every friday saturday night and then eat kebabs right they're not an emotional eater right that's their lifestyle it's a lifestyle choice right but the person who eats because of you know and eats past being full eats to the extremes of being ill then has shame and guilt and then decides that they're going to purge themselves whether they'll make themselves sick they'll over exercise or they'll go never again and then tomorrow they're on it or people who are struggling with you know, emotionally eating. It could be, you know, you think there's a whole range of it. You can eat when you're happy, you're sad, you're anxious, you're stressed. You know, it covers so many things. It's all about emotions. It's all about 
habits you've created and if you can break habits you can solve these issues right you can a lot of things we do great in mindset and again great career choice for you going forward the stuff you can teach Jim Hoff would help emotional eaters break that cycle and give themselves enough clear space to break that binge cycle to break that overeating cycle because in effect it is all about habits it's all about created in your mind because mm. as i said about the feelings you know if you're emotionally hungry you know it is all about the mind it's not you know, your body will have physical cues when you're hungry and yeah. because there isn't enough knowledge because there isn't enough expertise and because our world is centered on social media fucking perfect lives and we got all these pricks in reality tv stars you're flogging shit to gullible people or creating this image of perfect life or you've got fucking gas beetle flogging herbal life bollocks or you've got Gemma fucking what's name flogging skinny jobs and skinny teas is it any wonder people are fucked because yeah. everybody wants a quick fix right Guess what? When you are morbidly obese, there is no quick fix. There's even like people who like gastric bands and gastric sleeves. It's not a quick fix. And do you really want to go under major surgery? How? You know, no. But that's the problem is this current thing. Instead of working at the mind and looking at the root cause and, and, and solving this. And again, food addiction is the probably most difficult one ever to deal with because you have to eat. You don't have a choice. Yeah. Right, you have you have to eat. If you are yeah. a drug addict, Addicted if you are an alcoholic, yeah, yeah, yeah. gambling, Wiggles, you can have stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And guess what? Yeah, you right? eat. The, yeah, you don't. The industries, the industries, pay shitloads of money for addiction services. Mm. Right? Gamblers, how many adverts do you see on TV for gamble responsibly? Loads, isn't there? More than they Oops. do advertising actual gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen yeah. the Just Eat go, listen, buddy, you shouldn't be ordering that takeaway tonight? No, it's fucking it is ten pounds off. Get a fucking extra one. Yeah. Yeah, Have no, that's true. Any time you see a booze advert, now always drink responsibly. Always drink yeah. responsibly. Yeah. yeah. Gamble away you ever see all them, the time. Yeah. Do you, do you ever see them on Uber Eats going, order responsibly? <laughs> Are you sure you want that, Greg, you fat bastard? I haven't once seen a McDonald's poster that says, don't eat 19 burgers. No. <laughs> I haven't. No. Have you? No. But mm. do you know what I mean? And it's like, yes, yeah. they talk things about obesity, right? They talk about, you know, they'll put calories on things and they're going to measure things and all that, which is brilliant, right? Reduce sugar tax, right? That is going to generate £340 million a year. Right, that should be going into childhood obesity and could actually be used to fund eating disorders. Right, but no, guess what? It goes into the treasury and is fucking sucked up into God knows what else. The only year, the first year it was introduced, they used it for childhood obesity campaign. Now it just disappears into the treasury and we pay yeah. sugar tax. Yeah, well, there of is course, no reason yeah. why we can't have that. And I get, I get so passionate about because again. Cigarettes, you pay such a levy, like tobacco companies have to give money for smoking cessation courses. They have yeah. to put the money into it. It's about that's time the food why, companies did something else. That's why this is my new tipple, you see. See, yeah. I, I said this to Alex as well, that uh, um, I'm actually cheating everybody because it, although it's day's pale ale, it's yeah. 0% 
alcohol. Yeah. No alcohol yeah. at all. And do you know what I love about this company? So not only is it non-alcoholic and it does taste brilliant, right? But th this mob, because they don't pay the 2% uh, alcohol levy, they give 2% of all the profits to mental health initiatives in the community. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. it. Um, a little so I don't bit know, of did kind that of... answer your question, by the way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it did. It did. Hey, hey, listen, you're in great company. <laughs> <laughs> you're in great company. Let, so yeah. let's let's talk about the last song. I, I put this mm -hmm. on tonight. And it gives it's it it, it really does it, it gives you it's quite a, an uplifting song I think um, yeah. uh, and your last song it's an uh, Andrade yeah. or Andrade de depending on how you say it with uh, Rise Up yeah What's and I the picked story? it not so I picked that because basically when I was leaving my corporate job and I realised that I couldn't go back to that life. And yeah. it was basically my calling song to say, you have a mission. You have something to do in your life. And this is about never going back, being focused, yeah. and being true to yourself. And that's why I picked it, because it's about me being true to myself. Being true yeah. that, that I can get through anything, right? And I'm on a mission to rise up and, and support everybody else who's been through my life, who is going through what I, I do not want anybody who is watching and listening to this who is feeling that they are slowly killing themselves through eating who can't play with their kids who can't see their dick in the morning right who is getting to the fact that they can't they're getting to the, the biggest sizes jackamo right i want them to know that there's help out there that that it can be beaten and you can rise up and you can fight this and actually it's a lot easier than people think it is it just means you need to change your mindset you need to commit and you need to actually fight for it and actually you need to want it because the problem i see is too many people, too many people don't want it too many people make excuses too many people go oh, yeah oh, i'll have to put up with this no you don't have to put up with it yeah you can make it's the change choice. and you can do it yeah you've got a choice you just got to fucking do something yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can talk about it all day long I've got to do this, JFDI. Yeah. That's that's your yeah. last question. But do you yeah. know what? You see, just the explanation, the story that you've given with that song, you yeah. I, you pretty much answered the a question. I told you I'd written a question about your corporate um, uh, yeah. adventure. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, so, but there might be more. There might be more. So I'll yeah. ask you the question mm -hmm. anyway. So, it was. I, I was really interested, and it sounds like partly the answer to this is that you've had an epiphany with, with this song. Mm -hmm. um, but what I've written is, how did you overcome? Because there must have been some resistance to leaving that comfort blanket or safety net of the corporate world. Um, so how did you, you know, there must have been resistance. How did you overcome that to um, put it behind you? So, because it so must have been a... Yeah, it must have being paid well yeah. you know good yeah. living to, mm -hmm. to to kind of pursue something very different um that um very new um uh no or not but well, i'm guessing not many clients at the time mm -hmm. um yeah. 
uh, and 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 you've gone. This is it. I'm doing it. That I, I, so I know how scary that is <laughs> because I was in that position when I wasn't working for yeah. like four four months. So yeah. that's I, I I know just how big a leap that is. So how did you over how did you overcome that that sort of right burn the boats? So what's interesting, obviously, when I left, um, they made made me an offer that was too good to refuse, which helped. Yeah. So I had a cushion, I had a financial cushion. Um, then I got a job um, pretty soon after working for a one of the divisions of the previous company I was working for, and I got I sort of agreed a lucrative contract of about it's going to be worth about forty five thousand euros which I thought was great. Um, and I did about one month's work with them. Um, and then basically my previous, who I thought were good people, um, stiffed me um, and said, no, you can't work. They basically, I got made redundant, right? Because there was no work for me. I uh, the, the division in a, another European country I went to work for needed my help. I got, yeah. re- I got returned from furlough and then I was sent out to uh, this country to go and work. Finished the pro- um They then realized that they had to end on me on this certain date, but the project wasn't completed. So the guys who I was working with said, can you come and do some work for us? Yeah, no problem. Um, so we'd agree the whole period of time to get this done. And then all of a sudden, after about a couple of weeks, um, the people I thought were good you know, uh, colleagues of mine, um, said no you can't do this it, the optics don't look good you've just been made redundant and you're working in a different division in a different country mind yeah um and they magically found somebody to do the work i was doing who is actually a contractor so they made right. me redundant and then got this contract to do this work which they could have carried me on to do now i may not have taken might not have decided to do it um and i thought you know what i can't have this i don't want to do this yeah. Um, I've had enough. Um, and at the same time, uh, Alex Myers, who we know we well, um, he asked me to do a, a chat to the DX guys about my weight loss, and he didn't even realise how much I lost. And I did the slides, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." Um, so I did a presentation and told my story, and it just lit something up inside me, and I had an epiphany going, "I need to help people." Yeah. I need to do this, and. I cannot go back to that corporate world because the corporate world will kill me and suck me in. So mm. even at this point now, I'm growing the business. Um, I don't have a six-figure salary anymore. Um, and the problem, as you'll know, if you have a six-figure salary, quite often you have the attachments to a six-figure salary, which are really difficult to get rid of mm. because yeah. you have a house, you have a car, um, which are on period of times, you, know, uh, you can hand them back or you still have to pay for them. So yeah, so it's, it is, but you have to be stick to your dream. You have to stick to your ideals. You have to. I know what I have to do. I know what I may. I know what I'm on. My path is, and nothing's yeah. going to sway me from that. And even if I have to go, you know, yes, it's difficult and yes, it's hard. But I'm changing people's lives and I'm saving people's lives, and that is the most important thing to me. Not yeah, earning six figures in in a corporate job anymore. Yeah. See, I, I, but it's scary. I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, very scary, mate. Yeah. I, you know, I've got you know, I've you know, money. You know, I you know, I I'm at that point now. Really need to get more clients in, and that, but 
that's fine. And I'm going I'm doing that. But again, I'm not being dissuaded because I, people have gone, don't get me wrong, you know the contracting world. You know, people have done the contracts, but I couldn't do this and do a contract. Yeah. What I do is too in-depth to do both. Yeah. Because I would get sucked into that world and it would spit yeah. me out. Yeah. Yeah. May I take so my I'm honestly I take my I take my cap off to you. I really do. I really, really do. I think it's brilliant. So listen, for anybody that um that's that's watching, uh that wants to know a little bit more about emotional eating or what you're doing, how do they find out mm -hmm. more about um, uh Transform three six five emotional eating? So they can go onto our website, transform365.co.uk, or they can follow me on Instagram the emotional eating coach UK or our business page which is t transform 365 on insta and facebook and if you're on linkedin just find me as chris Tibbetts. brilliant thank you very much indeed listen uh, an hour and a quarter has gone past like that but i'm not letting yeah. you go i've got a couple of other questions i've go written some other questions related just related they're really quick though they're really quick no no help yourself uh, no i've got all the time mate. don't worry about it Go for it. related to, uh related to the songs as well so i wrote down here um see i should have asked you at the time but the story that you told about road ridge was just so funny um uh um i forgot to ask you what your favorite what your favorite car um is what favorite car that you've ever had uh it has to be my Range Rover what sorry my Velar, my Range Rover I've got at the moment. That's your favourite, and it's got to go back as I can't afford it. So I'm gonna, I'm gutted about giving it back, but it's my favourite car. I saw them when they came out. I thought I could never have one of those, and I got yeah. one. And then it's like the biggest mistake I ever did, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, was, a, there was yeah. a vanity purchase I should never have purchased, mate. There you go. <laughs> but that's the trouble when you send your wife to go and when you send your wife to go and get the car serviced and she's got a couple yeah. of hours to kill and she's wanting and going these are nice these are nice these are nice and then basically peter who's the sales guy knows what a sucker i am and says yeah i'll do you a deal yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens yeah. oh dear brilliant right one more question and then uh then we'll say goodbye to our viewers um, yeah. uh, but I might ask to hang in, hang around in the virtual yeah, green course. room for five, if you don't mind. Um, uh, so before I ask you the last question, um, uh, uh, there's there's been a fair few people watching um, tonight. Right. So uh, right. I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna show you some of the comments that we've had uh, here. Oh, listen, um, a good pal of mine, Andy. He said, "Don't know this guy, but a true inspiration." Um, thank you, Andrew. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'll show you that there. Yeah, there you go. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Andy. I appreciate uh, that. And uh, my good lady wife, uh, it's, thank there you, you Karen. Go, another... There we are. Uh, Andy also said 5,700 calories in cheeseburgers, yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed. And uh, and uh, one from uh, Mr. Von O'Sullivan. Uh, there you go. Got to get got to get your book and a big box of cornflakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't uh, don't oh, 
cornflakes cornflakes fine if that floats your boat as long as you're not on a diet along with uh, mashed potato and tuna fish though right yeah brilliant right last question it's the jfbi podcast and i get to ask this question most week um yeah. i mean as if you really need to tell us but how do you uh what so what let, let's let's ask this one because i can through your journey that you've explained a lot of times when you've just had to fucking do it um, yeah. But what would you consider within your lifetime has been the biggest JFDI ever? The one point in your life where you were like a genuine, massive JFDI? Leaving my wife. There you go. Literally there you came go. home, said I'm leaving, and that's it. And just did it. Yeah. There we go. Uh, well, there. thank you. Listen, Chris... I have had uh, a whale of a time tonight. No pun intended. So have I. Um, so have I. Uh, it's, been, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me on, Graham. I've really enjoyed myself. So um, it's It's been fantastic. So uh, thank you. And again, uh, to all of our listeners, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, the next couple of weeks, I've got... Uh, a bit of a surprise. I'm, I'm saying a bit of surprise. I'm trying to like G this up. Actually, it's recorded podcasts for the next uh, two weeks because it is my good lady wife's birthday next Thursday and she will literally, well, she probably wouldn't kill me because she knows how much uh, uh, I enjoy this um, and uh, their listeners enjoy it. Um, but we're got, we've got a recorded uh, we've got a recorded JFDI podcast next week with Mr. Paul Mort Ooh. landing. Uh, so that's uh, and 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 he chose some tunes that might surprise people. He, I think he chose one or two pe- uh, songs for people that know him uh, uh, might not be surprised. Uh, but we had a whale of a time talking as well. It was uh, it was a right laugh. So that's coming next week. And then the week after that will be another recorded uh, um, podcast. And then we'll be back to being live um, uh, the week after that. So tune in. Chris, thank you. Listeners, thank you. We shall speak to you later.